I'm your host Juliana Melrose and you're listening to The Room Show. Welcome to today's episode of our podcast where we have the pleasure of speaking to one of Scotland's most promising young female talents in motorsport, Logan Hanna. So Logan's journey into racing began in karting before she jumped into single seat racing in 2017 at the age of just 17 years old and has been racing primarily in the Formula Ford season where Logan became the first female driver to compete in the Formula 4 UAE series. Last year, we saw Logan compete in the season of the GB4 Championship with Graham Brunton Racing, supported by Laser Tools Racing, where she raced alongside her teammate, Chloe Grant, in an all-female lineup. Today, she joins us to share her insights on what inspired her to pursue a career in motorsport and how she got started in the racing world. So let's buckle up and get ready for an exciting conversation with Logan. Logan, so us two have known each other for quite a while now, haven't we? Yeah, just a little while. <laughs> just a little while. So you and my brother raced in Formula Ford. You were teammates with um, Team GBR. Mm-hmm. So as a pal, as a friend, how are you? How are you getting on? I'm not seeing you in I'm ages. all right. I know it's been a wee while. I think the last time we would have seen each other was maybe... 2020, was it? Yeah. Or 2019? I want to say just before COVID, wasn't it? Because before then... um, Because your brother did the... What would have been the Walter Hayes? And yeah, you were there he did, as well. he did, yeah. I remember, and you were in the garage. You were very um, professional. You had your um, game game head on. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, how are you? You doing good? I'm all right, yeah, keeping busy. What are you up to? Um, well, last year was a pretty busy year um, with not only doing that GB4 championship, mm-hmm. but also trying to finish or continue my my full-time degree and work at the same time. So what are you doing for your degree? Where are you studying? So I'm at the University of Stirling doing sports psychology. Um, I do my best to try and use it on myself, but obviously sometimes that doesn't quite work out. Um, But I hope to not have to use my degree. I hope to have it as a plan B and have plan A being in a race car. But I mean, I'm I'm enjoying it. Absolutely. Are you in your final year? No, I'm only in third year. Third year? Yeah. Oh, well, I guess, see, I'm In Scotland, yeah, we've got four. So literally just finishing up my third year now. Um, It is true what they say, saying that third year is the hardest year. Um, But my this year, next year should be pretty relaxed. Um, Hopefully I can do most of it online because I'm hoping that I'll be too busy to have to travel into Stirling. You know what? I love your positivity. <laughs> I love that. Um, so, um, for the listeners who aren't familiar with you, tell us a bit about yourself, your journey into the racing world, how you got started, and what inspired you to pursue a career in motorsport. Well, um, so my name's Logan. Um, yeah. I'm 21 years old. I'm from Glasgow, um, but grew up out in the Middle East, and that's where I started racing. Um, my dad kind of got me into motorsport um, from a young age. Um, He did it as a hobby. I think my mum bought him an experience when when we first moved out there and he's a big petrol head, so he latched onto it as most of us end up doing. And being my dad's little girl, I followed him everywhere he went. And it took me three or four years to build him up into putting me in a go-kart. But the moment we did, we didn't look back. Um, First few years was spent karting out in the Middle East, but doing a few international races as well. I think within the first year or so, um, I was invited out to a world finals event in Le Mans. So that was pretty cool. Oh, that was, that that awesome. was another cool. another kind of thing that just got us latched on even more. And I'm sure it worked worked well for my dad because he likes to live quite vicariously mm-hmm. through me. <laughs> um, and then moving home to the UK, we wanted to um, kind of go all in on this, on this career for myself. Um, and 
did start car racing around about 15, 16. Um, doing all that racing out in the UAE was was really good to get back out there and kind of the biggest thing for me, my first race weekend in a car was at Yas Marina, but it was really nice to maybe three, four years prior been watching my dad there to then have be me racing and have my dad watching me. That was quite nice to have. Um, and then up until now, we've kind of been racing in the UK and doing pretty well at it, I think. Oh, finishing last year um, with a race win and a podium and a few top 10 finishes um, was really, really good for our first year in full wings and slicks. Um, obviously a learning year, so there was a few mistakes made, but... Yeah. mistakes that you won't make again I think of course well you need to make mistakes don't you of to course, learn yeah. from them um, and you've been I mean I have I do have you on Instagram and things like that and I've been looking at what you're doing and you're smashing it I must <laughs> say um, you're doing really well but um, so your dad you say your dad you look up to him a lot he obviously introduced you to the racing scene mm-hmm. is there any role models that you've kind of looked at and inspired you to get into the sport well when I first originally kind of started getting inundated with motorsport that kind of stuff and mm-hmm. um, living out in the middle east there wasn't really anyone out there that um female wise that was racing that i'd be able to look up to so i tend i tended to look over to america and watch looking at the likes of pippa man and danica patrick yeah. and that sort of stuff that were really quite smashing out in indycar and nascar and that sort of stuff um obviously in the uk there's there's the likes of uh, jamie chadwick and um susie wolf and those kind of those kind of people that are going through the f1 ranks um Back in 2019, I was lucky enough to be able to share a share a team with Jamie, and it was oh, cool. such a good insight to be able to have, to be able to see that. I mean, she was coming and doing the, the Walter Hayes as a as a one off and doing it for a bit of fun, but it was such a good bit of experience to have, and a, a quite an inspiring little push to have for yeah. for me. It, I think I was only 18 at the time, not even maybe 17 at the time, being able to see someone that's just like me in this sport that I'm trying to break myself through into as well um, and seeing that she was doing well. And I think she just won the first W Series and yeah. she'd just been announced as a Williams driver. So it was such a good weekend to have her there. Absolutely. Did you learn anything from her that weekend? Did she te- coach you a little bit a or little give bit, you yeah. some inspiration? Rightfully so, she was quicker than me from, oh, from yeah, the offset. Yeah. Um, but we were, I was right behind her the whole way through and it was such a big confidence boost to be yeah, able to just even engage with her as well. Yeah, especially as a female, another female in the sport. Obviously, it's a male-driven sport. Um, so to have that, I bet you it was phenomenal. No, 100%. Um, so so as I was saying, as a female driver in a male-dominated field, what challenges have you faced and how have you overcome them? I think as you grow up in the sport, there's a lot of different challenges that you can face. The usual stuff, I think, when you're younger and when you're first starting out is the playground mm. kind of comments. It's more of prejudice rather than anything. It's kind of not even harmless comments, it's just boys being boys. Yeah. Um, where if, as I guess if you start beating them, they might get a little bit feisty about it, but it's, it's never the end <laughs> yeah. of the world. If you've got a thick enough skin, you can get through it. But as you kind of start to progress more and it becomes that little bit more of a career, um, sometimes opportunities come up for people because of their gender and they might go around down certain routes because of their gender and that might work better for them. But for me... As soon as I put my helmet on, I'm just the same as everyone else on the grid. And I'd like to continue that through. I mean, the sport's not mixed. The sport is mixed at the top. Yeah, So absolutely. I would like, I at least want to follow it, follow that yeah. all the way through. In your professional career, have you ever um, experienced any prejudice or felt as if... Not really. Not I've never, I've names, never... I'm not going to ask <laughs> you if there's anyone, but have you ever felt that? No, no, I would say no. that I've been quite lucky in the sense that I've never been put down based on my gender um if I 
if I do well, I do well as a driver. If I don't do well, I don't do well as a driver kind of thing. I don't think there's anything gender-wise that has any sort of impact on that. Um, there's obviously different opportunities that you get as a as a kind of a an individual in a motorsport that's, mm-hmm. or an individual in a sport that's different to the others. Like the branding, for example, for us female athletes is, is huge. Yeah, um, absolutely. There's less of us than there are of the <clears> boys, but it's about playing that card right and doing it the right way. Absolutely. And are you going to hopefully play that card? Are you, are you, do you, um, what am I trying to say here? Do you, like, would you play, if you have the opportunity to push the female side, like the feminine side of you when trying to get like sponsorship or market yourself, are you going to play that card? Probably. Um, I think the, the marketing side, um, for us girls on track comes a lot with social media. Yes. Um, I think obviously if a brand's wanting to put some money into you and kind of that comes with all that exposure, the bigger that your following is, the bigger that exposure becomes. You don't have to just rely on the TV and the people that are at the race weekends. And there's a big, big push with the likes of things like Drive to Survive. So there's a big new wave of young female followers in the sport that if you're in the right time, in the right place, say posting a TikTok at the right time and you blow up, you can use that to your advantage when it comes to approaching sponsors. The the bigger that you're following is, the easier it starts to become. Absolutely. So you mentioned Drive to Survive. Have you watched it yet? I have. I have. I'm guilty. It's so good. I honestly, I was hooked. That is one of the reasons why I started this podcast because there's so many people. When I went to uni, I mentioned like, oh, I'm going to maybe think about doing like a, a more sport podcast because there's so many people mm. that are just mentioned. Like there's such a huge interest in the sport now. Do you think that's going to, um, do, do you think that's going to push you? Like probably bring more eyes to yourself in the sport? I would hope so. I would definitely yeah. hope so. I think it's the, like the drive to survive wave has definitely brought a big wave, a big new kind of yeah. wave of young followers, whether that be, they're literally from every corner of the earth. Like the way that it's kind of changed F1 in America is pretty, oh, pretty drastic. Massive. Now they've, they went from one round that was kind of the, they hardly ever got a good crowd to now having three rounds and maybe four is it with the Las Vegas? Yeah, yeah. But a crazy amount of, of, of followers that they've got over there stateside. Yeah, um, I mean, it's different, I think, for maybe the endurance side because I'm trying to, my dream is Le Mans. So my dream is to get to Le Mans and I can say this now, but I want to be able to win it and I want to be standing on that top step of the podium because why... I can see you doing that. (laughs) Why take part in something if you don't think that you're going to be able to to achieve the very most? Absolutely. I agree. And I think endurance can do with something similar maybe to Drive to Survive. Um, I know that IndyCar is going down that route and looking at kind of building their drivers' personalities to be able to make them more marketable. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, I'd argue that endurance racing is better than F1. Uh, yeah. So so if that gets a Drive to Survive, you, you, bet, you <laughs> bet that I'll find myself in there. <laughs> Unreal. That is so fun. Um, yeah, love that. I think that's such a good vision that you've got. And I can, mm. see, I can see you doing that. So is that where you kind of want to kind of go down that route? Do you want to follow the route to endurance then? Yes. So all my previous experience has been done in single seaters, but that's just kind of mostly been because I think I started racing in my my first season in cars was in a Formula Ford, which is a single seater. And then the next step up for us was GB4, which is another single seat. It's like an F4 car. Um, 
So, I mean, if I wanted to continue on the path that I was, I could probably jump up to GB3, F3 and go from there. But unfortunately, my dad is not a millionaire. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I feel like in Scotland, as a young Scottish racer, you've kind of only got one path that you can kind of go into. And then from there you explore. But it's, it's mainly... At national, isn't it? It's, if you want to do something like it, the problem with F one is that it's <coughs> it's a deep pocketed game, yeah. And you're going up against people that not only have maybe a long lineage in the sport, but they also are extremely wealthy, yeah. Um, which there's, I think there's there's things to discuss with like maybe some new championships that have popped up that maybe at the very base level of what they've kind of been trying to do might be the right idea, mm-hmm. but I think they're doing it in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, because that jump from F4 to F3 is so incredibly expensive. It's ridiculous. And they want all their budgets up front. And there's yeah. no way that I'd ever be able to afford that. So looking down the GT route, there's also a viable career there. If I'm, if I again find myself in the right place at the right time in the right car, I can land myself a factory drive and then I'm set. As yeah. long as I keep performing the way I need to perform, I'm set with a career there. Yeah. Wow. God, but you do have a plan, which is great. I, I try to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good. It's good to have a plan. At least you can kind of set yourself and then go from there. Mm. Um, so last year was your first year racing in an all-female lineup with Chloe Grant. How did you find that? Um, the media was great, yeah. I think. We we really played into kind of... We both are big personalities, I mm. think, is the best way to put it. And we both ended up growing these these huge social media followings I didn't really quite go down the TikTok route but she's she's great at it she just kind of she she flew with it and she went um but the the pair of us for example on a race weekend GB4 it's a relatively small championship it was in his first year but us being us we knew that we could make such a big deal of it and as long as we made it look big on social media we could make it big for ourselves so every race weekend for example we had a driver signing and there'd be a queue of people that might not be spending their time waiting in the queue to go and sign all the British GT drivers. They were coming mm-hmm. and seeing us, which was, was really, really nice to yeah, see. That is amazing. So I always say this when people ask me, because obviously my brother does racing, mm. people ask me a lot about the sport. I always say that a racing driver doesn't just they don't just drive. They are business. They're business people. You need to have you need to have it all. You need the full package. Um, would you say you kind of struggle with that side of marketing, or do you think you've cracked the nail? You've got it. You've got it. Um, I think, unfortunately, with motorsport, it's unlike most sports. Like unlike football, um, talent is at the bottom of the list. Yeah. No matter how talented you are, you have to find yourself in the right place at the right time, and you have to have the money. You could be the most talented person in the world win everything but if you've not got the money to make that next step it's not going to happen for mm. you because nobody's going to pay for it for you yeah so exactly being that business woman bus- businessman yeah. and being able to market yourself and kind of taking more of a maybe an entrepreneur side to it um is so crucial it's a full-time job away from from the racing you're constantly sending emails you're constantly keeping up with current sponsors while trying to find more um, unfortunately, motorsport, you, you never have enough money. So you're always looking for more. And there's always going to be somebody spending more than what you're spending, yeah. which means they've probably got more seat time. And seat time is so crucial in this sport. Absolutely. It's, it is it is an unfair sport because there's been, even in the time that I've kind of been looking at motorsport, you see so many talented young people that have had to drop out because they just can't afford it. And it's such a shame. Like yeah. it's such a massive shame. Do you think there's there should be well, obviously there are kind of um like the academy kind of races that you can get through and you get help from that and like there's um 
what's that? There's that road to Indy, the mm. road to Indy thing that if you win, you can get put into, um, like you go to America and stuff like that and do that. Do you think there should be any more help for young young drivers? Um, I think, I think what's being done is the right idea, just maybe with the wrong kind of execution. I think, like, chat. There are championships, the, the brand new championship, for example, that W Series obviously fell through. That they ended their year in millions in debt, and that's. There's, yeah. I don't think they're going to be able to resuscitate that. Yeah. What it did for Jamie Chadwick's career, for example, is she did everything she had to do, and she she took with it and she ran, and she's doing really really well where she is now. But I think what they're trying to do in maybe bringing 10 to 15 girls and giving them a chance, what do they do from there? Where do they go from there? Maybe they're okay at this level, but nobody ever wants to stop where they are. They always want to continue on. And maybe rather than looking at creating a championship, finding a champion that you can take further on. Yeah, absolutely. So... I know a few drivers who are quite superstitious before getting in the car. Do you have any pre-race preparation routine, any specific rituals you have before getting behind the wheel? Um, Nothing too drastic. <laughs> um, I think there was, like, at the beginning of the year last year, um, I was I was trying to do the headphone thing and sitting in quiet, but then I think before, like, the race, I, f- I nearly won at Silverstone, I was just standing about chatting and I completely forgot that we even had a race coming up and they went, oh, look, we need to be in the car now. So I think the only thing I really do is make sure that I go to the bathroom before I get in. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. And normally even then that's late. (laughs) Sometimes I'm standing about chatting and they're like, oh, we need to be in the car now. And I'm like, well, I haven't gone to the bathroom yet, so I need to do that now. And they'll have to be pushing my car around to the holding area because I've had to go to the toilet. Oh, God. Have you ever been close to doing it in the car? No, never. Really? (laughs) Never. I don't think I'd ever be able to show my face again if I did that. Oh, my, your mum would kill you with the suit. Well, not even, trying to clean it. Oh. Not even, but well, I'd have to wear it for the rest of the week. I've only got oh one. Oh, my God. But I could never. No, I would just hold it. I think. Yeah. Or at worst, I would have to just come in. But it just would yeah. never happen. I wouldn't let myself get to that point, I don't think. Oh, my God. If I, imagine. I asked my brother the same question. He was like, absolutely. So there's obviously well, a difference. That doesn't for... actually surprise me. Yeah, I know it doesn't, does it? Um, so can you walk us through a particularly memorable race that you've participated in and what made it stand out for you? Um, well, my most recent one at Donington was pretty uneventful on my part. I oh. won from lights to flag. Oh, so, you're joking. And I think I maintained a second gap from three or four drivers behind, um, which was pretty good for me. But yeah. I think that probably one of the most memorable wins I've ever had probably was the David Leslie um, to put it short, I think 2020, obviously it was a pretty pretty tough year for everyone, but I wasn't looking to be racing at all. Um, yeah. Showed up for the David Leslie weekend, um, had a pretty uneventful race one, which wasn't the David Leslie race, but mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I finished second, but I didn't do anything special. And then in the race two, um, which would have been the David Leslie race, I think it was... A wet track that was drying we went dry set up knowing that it was going to dry and the dry line did form and I think I drove around the outside of last year's the champ the year's champion before three times around the outside into turn one at not kill so three times around the outside into Duffus in the wet yeah I don't know how we didn't come together there was one point where we were we interlocked wheels as we were going over yeah. the hill but that was such that was such an incredible win um because not only did I get in front of him and pull away a bit I ended up in the gravel ended up oh behind God. him again and then overtook him again round the outside and just drove away, which was pretty oh good. God. And I, I mean, I became the first female to win that 
trophy. Oh, I, that's first, amazing. I mean, I think your your brother had won it. Yeah, a few he won years it before. In, I want to say eighteen, maybe. Yeah, I want to say twenty eighteen. Yeah. And yeah. he had to do a good job and to it do is that. Such yeah. an honour. Yeah. So for those who don't know what De- David Leslie Trophy is, can you explain it? Well, so David Leslie is a Scottish race, a Scottish legend essentially, mm-hmm. um, and unfortunately he died in a plane crash quite a few years ago now at Paul Ricard. And this trophy was put together to kind of, I guess, in his honour. Yeah. And it was for for young Scottish drivers to be able to try and win. But it is just a trophy race. It's you get the trophy if you win that one yeah. race. So it is essentially like a festival final for that one race and there's you you have to finish first in order to win it yeah Um, yeah. I mean the grid wasn't particularly big but there's quite a few nice names on that trophy so it was nice there is because I remember looking at it and it is such an honour to see people who are now succeeding in their professional career and you've won the same thing that they have so I bet you it was quite a yeah it was it was nice also to give it back to to GBR because GBR they won it with your brother they won it with yeah. Ross they won it with me and they won it with some other drivers like Kim Shakiran had won it as yeah, well yeah. so there was they had a long list of winners with that trophy so it was nice to put it back in GB's office yeah absolutely but um and then they said I could take it home but I said I don't want to take it home did you not did you not take it home I think no I've got a cat it would end up oh, getting knocked no. over I was like, if I broke that trophy that'd be game over <laughs> oh my and it's God, like a imagine. big glass you know what I respect vase. that because I would want to do the same thing but I don't think I could I no. think I'd be too greedy no I'd be like you know what no you just keep it because if I break <laughs> yeah. it I would, I would never hear the end of it did you get um, some good picks with it yeah oh. Absolutely. But again, it was COVID, so there was no one there to watch. Oh, of course. There was like, twi- I don't even think, so Graham wasn't even there. Oh, he was joking. away racing somewhere else. So I think they were on the phone, Craig was on the phone to Graham, being like, Logan's winning this. Yeah, thing. how did it feel then during COVID to race with no spectators? A bit weird. Yeah. I, would, I would be honest, a bit weird. Um, I mean, not kill the SMRC races didn't tend to get the biggest crowds to begin with anyways, but it yeah. was weird not having anyone there. Yeah, I bet. And the face masks and stuff as well. But my mum and dad were there that weekend, Aww. so it was really nice. I think somebody caught uh, had their car recording like a dash cam footage and they just so happened to be standing right in front of it. And you can hear the tannoy saying that I've won it and just them going crazy. <gasps> it's one of my most favourite videos ever. Oh, that's amazing. You know what? I love memories like that because that will stick with you for life. I, I'd hope so. Is but, it, was that your first race that you won then? Um, I'd won a few karting races previously, but it was my first car race that yeah. I'd properly won. I'd come close the year prior with a few second places and stuff in Formula Ford again, but I hadn't won anything like that. Yeah, and what that was the feeling kind of, that you Well, because I didn't felt? just win it by chance. I, I won that yeah. on the track. I had to drive around the outside of the guy first. Oh, my God. Um, to, to win it. He was the champion from the year before as well. Um, so it just it felt so good to I guess finally be able to say that I'd, I'd done it and yeah. and then it just snowballed into the weekend after because um, we ended up at the festival and the Walter Hayes pretty much the weekend after maybe the week two or three weekends after and I think I finished top 20 and top 15 there as well so it just continued all the way through yeah. it was such a good three weeks that's amazing of racing that is, and I do have a lot of respect because before we started recording, um, I told you that my brother took me out um, round one of the new Hondas that Knock Hill have at the weekend, just the weekend that passed. And I must say, I was absolutely bricking it. Like, I I was so scared. It was a joke. And I just have so much respect. I, I mean, I had respect for you before, mm. obviously, because not a lot of people can do what you're doing. And... But to go around at that speed, I was the things that were think I was thinking in my head were, how on earth 
do you think that quick? <laughs> like, you're reacting. Yeah, imagine there's other people on track as <laughs> yeah, well. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. There was nobody on track. There was literally just me, my brother driving, and nobody there to race. Like, if I was, well, I was screaming at him. I was going, <laughs> slow down, slow down. But um, yeah, it was like, I just, I can't believe, I can't believe you do it. I can't no, believe you do. I know. I, I enjoy working. So I, I work at Knock Hill. I do lots yeah. of the coaching up there, and it's nice to be able to kind of, instill a little bit of my knowledge onto I know it's just customer stuff but sometimes it's nice to get that validation back when you get to take someone around and they go oh that's that's actually why they pay yeah. you and it's do sometimes ever, nice that way do you ever kind of have you ever had a moment that you get a little bit scared a little bit nervous while you're driving no 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 I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say so I think that as soon as you're going out on track and you're starting to think about kind of things like that it, you're not going to do yeah. well it's the same saying that like if, as soon as you start looking in your marriage you're going to go backwards you have to keep focus on going forwards absolutely i think that's a complete yeah i agree i completely agree with that um does your does your mother get a bit scared because obviously your dad raced does she does she kind of close her eyes i, I think she's cross got her fingers better <laughs> i would say that she's gotten better when i was carting maybe not so much like a 30 12 year old in go-karts at like 90 mile an hour Goodness, bar yeah. barreling into a hairpin at once that that never ended up very well. Mum always had to take a step back. Yeah, and then she was able to watch if I'd make sure that I'd came round. Um, but now in cars, I think it is a lot safer, um, and I think she's got a little bit of trust in my ability. A little bit, able, of trust. just a little bit, <laughs> just a wee not bit. a lot. Um, <laughs> that I would be able to make it out on the other side. Um, but she did come to quite a few races last year, and she did enjoy them. Good. She has said herself, but um, I don't think the nerves have got any better. I think she's just got better at managing them. Absolutely. Well, to be honest, if she's enjoying them, that's a, that's the best part. Because especially at Knock Hill, oh, oh, that was my worst. I hated that every. Because what is it? A, a Knock Hill Formula Ford race is what once every once every month, a weekend every something month? like that. Yeah, yeah. It used to be. I don't that know about this anymore. Because it's freezing. <laughs> like knock, like you mentioned before that race that was meant to be dry, it was peeing it down. I know. It, like, it's just... What's it's it one of those like? things, if you can see the hill, it's going to rain. If you can't see the hill, it's already raining. Oh, literally, kind of thing. absolutely. So, are you... Have you, have you raced national yet? Or not Not quite yet? Only done a few um, races here and there? It was last well, year national. Yeah, last year was national. So, yeah. last year was all in, all in England. Um, oh, okay. Which was a bit unfortunate that GBR, so the team is based at Knock Hill, and yeah. we would have to leave a track to drive seven hours to get to another oh, yeah. track. But um, no, I really, really enjoyed being being kind of down south last year. Um, Did you have any races at Knock Hill last year? No, none. none. No, so no home races? No home races at oh, all. Oh, God. Because I, I was going to ask, how, how would it feel? Um, racing your home race but you always you kind of I'm always at Knock Hill yeah. I, I kind of I see unfortunately during the summer I see it in my sleep so it's probably for the best that I, I wasn't stand racing back it. a wee bit yeah I got to go somewhere else but we, we got to go to some pretty cool tracks last year yeah what was your favourite um Silverstone GP was pretty cool we didn't race on the GP weekend mm -hmm. but we got to race on the GP circuit and that yeah. that in a single seater is pretty cool um Second favourite would probably be the Brands GP, which is the longer loop round the back of the circuit. Oh, yeah. That is fast. That is crazy fast. Um, I think I qualified in the second row for that race, which was our best qualifying yeah, all year. Yeah, that's amazing. But um, I didn't do the Friday test either. I jumped straight into qualifying. Oh, um, and, I mean, it wasn't the best weekend in the end. We made a lot of mistakes, but that qualifying kind of saw, consolidated kind of the year for us, showing mm -hmm. that, no, we do actually have a bit of speed. We just need to piece all the pieces together absolutely yeah and you do need testing it's hard it's, again it comes back to the money that yeah you need the 
you need the funding to do the testing to it's all about that isn't it yeah we we did last year on kind of a bit of a a smaller budget in comparison yeah. to everyone else um we started the year and we <coughs> did so last year they, there was four days but for every race weekend you'd do a thursday friday saturday sunday um but the thursday wasn't you didn't have to do the thursday if you didn't want to so we did the thursday maybe for the first three race weekends three four race weekends and then for the rest of the year we didn't do the thursday so we would just do friday saturday sunday um it does make a difference not having that extra day in the car it's yeah. an extra day to get acquainted with the setup it's an extra set of tires you've got more time yeah. to be able to get into the swing of things um i mean there's ways to go around it like on a thursday instead of being on track i would be at a simulator doing it virtually but nothing beats being on track and being in that zone um, to be able to set you up for the race weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So a race weekend, it kind of goes from like, well, you, you kind of, need, especially if you're racing down south, kind of need to leave on like a Wednesday. Yeah. And you come back on like either Sunday night if you really want to push it or like a Monday. How did you balance that between being a full-time university student and a racing driver? I mean, I was quite lucky in the sense that racing last year didn't start until April. So mm -hmm. that was kind of exam season. It was all right. It was more the end of the year from maybe like September to October. And I did a lot of I did a lot of working and a lot of racing at the end of last year. So I was hardly ever home. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I did something ridiculous, like 12, 15,000 miles in oh maybe God. like two months, just because oh. I was up and down south so yeah. much. It was, it was honestly ridiculous. Um, and that was tough. I will say that was tough, but still quite lucky that lots of the learning is online. So I was able to do it on the go. But there is, you really do have to kind of set yourself quite strict boundaries that when you are at a hotel at night, you're not doing anything. You can't just be sitting watching Netflix. Unfortunately, you yeah. have to be doing, I don't know, neuroscience or something, which is what I was having to be doing last year. Oh, God. It was tough. I didn't yeah, sign up for tough. that. I will say that. You I didn't thought, sign up? No, I thought sports psychology was going to be talking about my feelings and doing double PE, but it's been the complete <laughs> Double PE. That's what I was, I, wanted, <laughs> I just want to play days. badminton and just talk about my feelings, but it's not ended up being oh, that, unfortunately. So what, what is it that involves in the course? Um, so, I mean, I, I do sports, I do psychology and I do sports studies. So two, I do two degrees oh, at right. once, which okay, I really have okay. not made it easy for myself. Yeah, that is that. very difficult. I know. Um, but the psychology degree is much harder than the sports studies degree because you can specialise from the psychology degree. Yeah. So if you're going to be doing clinical psychology, you kind of have to know how the brain works. Yeah. But in order to do clinical psychology, you have to do the psychology degree. So we kind of cover all the bases. We've not really spoken about our feelings yet, but Aww. I hope we get to do that so at the end of the year. We could do that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> we could just change this whole podcast <laughs> and speak about our feelings. No, but I'm, I mean, I've been able to understand what drugs do to certain part of the yeah. parts of the brain. So if I really wanted to go and do clinical psychology, I could, or if I could go into developmental and work with kids, but I don't really want to have to use my degree. So mm -hmm. I yeah. hope that I don't have, have you to. taken anything from like any like advice or? Have you taken anything um, from your degree? I think it's changed the way that I think a little bit. Um, but I think most degrees would do that in a sense. Once yeah. you start getting into that academic kind of way, it does change the way you think. But mm. it's definitely changed my approach to some some things, especially like race weekends and the way that I approach a race weekend maybe has been quite good. And I've been able to, through my course, meet a few sports psychologists and I've been able to speak to them. And that, again, changes the way that you think. But yeah. Um, Nothing quite drastic yet that has changed <laughs> changed anything yet. But um, no, I've enjoyed my degree. It's kept me busy. It's kept me out of trouble, I would say. Yeah. But it's 
the busy is definitely the, the busy part. Is yeah. I've not really had a lot of time to myself over the last year. So it meant you mentioned that your degree has helped you approach a race weekend. So what do you do to approach a re- race weekend? How do you think? Um, well, obviously, as you said, it's like a, it's a week long kind of adventure yeah. at that point there. So we would leave. Um, I would leave the house on the Wednesday morning. Um, to try and get there for kind of halfway through the Wednesday. Um, if we were to do the full full four days, for example, I would leave on a Wednesday morning, um, do maybe go to a simulator on the Wednesday afternoon, get to the track Wednesday night, drop all my bags off, head to the hotel Thursday, on track Thursday, Friday, doing testing. So we're kind of running through setups, kind of trying to do race simulations, that sort of stuff. Um, really just trying to get all the niggles out so that we're ready to go for Saturday morning for qualifying. Mm-hmm. Um and then just preparing yourself for the race weekend, for the races throughout the weekend is just making sure that you've had the right kind of food, you're in the right kind of headspace and you're surrounding yourself with the right kind of people more than anything. Yeah. Um, but in terms of kind of what it's changed for me as I'm kind of working through it, it's just made me a bit more relaxed, I think, knowing that like what will be will be. I know it's quite cliche saying that, but I can only focus on myself and I can only change what I'm doing I can't change what anybody else is doing so as long as I know that I'm doing something right I'm then able to hopefully take that forward and the right things will happen to me yeah cool amazing so what advice do you have for any aspiring female drivers who want to follow in your footsteps um I'm gonna say it's not easy it's really not easy you do have to have thick skin in the sense that I think whether you're a boy or a girl when you're looking for sponsors, you're sending out hundreds of emails yeah. and you're probably not even going to get a response. So you've just got to have a real drive to try and kind of, if this is what you want to do, you can't let anybody tell you that you're not going to be able to do it. You have to tell them that, no, I want to do it and I'm going to do my very best to make it happen for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but motorsport's full of a lot more lows than highs. So it's all, again, but it's like whether you're, trying to send an email to get yourself to that next race weekend or you're at that race weekend and it's not going very well, you're still achieving somebody's dream. You're still a racing driver. So really taking every moment as it comes and cherishing it more than anything um, to be able to make you want that even more the weekend after, I think. Um, But it's not easy, but I wouldn't change it for the world, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I like that. Um, I mean, you do. I feel like everyone finds what they're good at and this is obviously your talent. This is what you're made to do. So like you said, just follow follow your dreams. If you love it enough and if you want it enough, mm. you, you do. I mean, you work very hard to get to where you are. And like you said, it's not easy at all, but you're managing to do it. And would you say it does feel like work? Would you, Is there any points that you start to think, like start to doubt yourself? Um, I wouldn't say doubt myself. I mean, it, it never feels like a day at work. I'll yeah, be on I'll good. say that now. Even even when I'm driving up to Knock Hill and I've got a day of teen drive, teaching thirteen year olds how to drive, I can still sit there and I'm my, I've got that job because I'm a racing driver. You know what I mean? Like maybe the hour long drive to Knock Hill from home, sometimes you have to sit there and go, Oh my god, I'm going to work. But when you're there, I'm not sat in an office. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could be teaching thirteen year olds <clears> how to drive, I could be doing hot laps in a rally car. There's really no no in between. But Sometimes on a race weekend, maybe when it all doesn't kind of come together, um, that can be quite tough. But I'm there because I've got people that believe in me. I've got a team behind me that supports me. Um, I've got a family that's there that's put everything in 
into me to try and make this work, to make a career out of this. Um, and there's a lot of people in the background that are there to support you. It is about just kind of sometimes just listening to them and yeah. not listening to either whether that be kind of like internal thoughts of maybe self-doubt or unfortunately there are some nasty people out there, but I'm quite lucky that I haven't. Yeah. I haven't either. I've not seen them. I've not listened to them or the notifications don't come up on my oh, phone. Good. Yeah, but yeah. Um, you've got to have that self-belief to be able to, to keep going. But I think that's in any sport because it's never easy to, to achieve your dreams. You've got to yeah. keep working for it. Yeah. So obviously there's a lot of money put into yourself. Do you feel a lot of pressure? Do you feel like there's weight on your shoulders when a race weekend comes that you need to do well, not just for yourself, but for those that are involved in you? Do you feel that pressure? Um, yes and no. All of my sponsorships so far, thankfully, have been like there there's no there's nothing ever written into a contract saying you have to do this yeah. or we will pull the funding there's there's a lot of obviously a lot of a lot an awful lot of media branding and obviously just being a, a good host when when you have your sponsors coming to your race weekends but like for example my manager he just wants me to do well and he's got the same dream as me he wants to go to Le Mans and he wants to have he wants to own a car and see his logo have it so big on a car going down the Mulsan Strait at yeah, 320 oh kilometres an hour God. that he can see it. He can stand there at the side, have it go past him and he can recognise what car is his. And we've kind of joined up together and we've, we're trying to achieve this dream together. But I am lucky in the sense that I've not had a lot of serious pressure other than the pressure I put on myself. Yeah. Um, but I just, I want to, I want to do well. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do something if I don't want, like, I'm not going to put all my effort into it to then just finish the race. I'm not there to make up the numbers. I'm there to win ultimately um mm -hmm. and that's the way that I've always kind of been so it's, it's not really changed throughout yeah, the years absolutely. which is ideal so you on your you've got quite a big wee drive well big big wee that's kind of <laughs> a big wee drive I wonder what that is <laughs> um so well I guess a big drive to um to like the national circuits do you have any playlists that you kind of put on to put in the mindset do you have any um so specific songs it really just kind of goes with how what I'm feeling uh -huh. um at the beginning, so when I first started having to drive myself around, because obviously it's a week-long adventure, uh -huh. um, I have to take myself there and I have to bring myself back. I can't go with the team. I mean, I could fly down, but then how do I get from the airport to the track? How do I get from oh, the yeah. track to the hotel? I have to kind of, unfortunately, whether it be Oldham Park, which is Cheshire, which is easy to get to, or I've got to spend seven hours in a car getting to Snet, which is in Norwich, or Brands Hatch, yeah. which is Kent. Um, I have to take myself there. So to begin with... Like when I first started driving and taking myself to and from racetracks, I would rely on maybe phoning people. But then oh. I'd be sitting in my car fuming because nobody was answering my phone. Oh, yeah. But forgetting that I'm the one that's not really doing anything. They've all <laughs> still got things to do. Um, so maybe now, like if it's during the day, I'll probably listen to music. Um, sometimes I can just throw on an album and have a concert in the Who's car. Who's your favourite? Um anything really anything. I, I will put my yeah, hands up and say that I'm a Swifty oh really so I, I know what I don't know if I would put you as a Swifty well my last drive down south was three hours three and a half hours Taylor Swift's Eras tour set list was three hours ten so oh. it was I ran through the whole thing it was amazing I had my own Taylor Swift concert is in my car is she playing in the UK is she doing her Eras I don't think so but oh, I would gonna... not be able to afford one of those tickets yeah I know they're spinny I know so Very I'm spinny. having my own little Taylor Swift concert yeah, in the car you know what I respect that but I will I'll do say I'm not Swifty myself. You're not Swifty yourself. Maybe I need to be. Well, I'm not a serious Swifty. 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm just like in the background swiping. Yeah. yeah. If I went to the concert, I would know all the words, but I'm not <laughs> that. Like, right, come on. <laughs> you can't say that you're not a Swifty or like not as much and say and hit me out that you know all the lyrics. I know all the lyrics to a lot of songs though, but that, that'll be my excuse. I like music, so I will sit. So that's your other, other talent. Yeah, music, yeah. But music. I can't sing and I can't dance and I can't play an instrument. But if you ask, if you put on a song now, I would probably know the words to it, but let's not let's not do that. Um, just in case you think I know, one I don't know. I, did you see in my eyes? I, I was, was like, starting to think like, oh, what song? Uh-uh. <laughs> we could have some fun here, um, some TikToks. <laughs> I know, but playlist wise, um, I am a girl after all, so I do love a little self help podcast. Yeah, um, I'm not really a sport podcast person. I love to hear about other people's dramas, so. Whether that be, like, I love the girls' bathroom oh, with Sophie and Chelsea. Absolutely love it. Amazing. Um, Great. I could sit on, I, I purposely don't listen to it when they come out so that if I have a five hour drive, I've got five episodes to catch up on. Yeah. Um, I quite enjoyed Emma Chamberlain's podcast. Yeah. Um, I just love the way that she thinks. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I think there's one in America called, called like, Toast. I've never heard of that. Um, I think they do, well, what they do is I think each week, like, with the news and they just chat about the news, but it's normally like, Kardashians, Real Housewives, oh, and I'm sitting there. And I'm going. I'm just eating the it best up. kind of news. Exactly. I don't care about what yeah. like politics is doing. I just want to know what what dramas happen in Kim's yeah. life. Right now. Yeah, exactly. Same. I know. But um, like I've, I've been told that I have to listen to more sports podcasts, but I'm quite happy in my my little girly Girl's podcast. Bathroom. Yeah, my, I'm vibe. quite happy in my. So when someone's like, "Oh, what podcast you listen to?" I'm like, oh. depending <laughs> yeah. on who it is, I'm like, you need to think quick <laughs> of a different answer. Yeah, like of Joe Rogan or something. I don't know. I don't oh, know God. what kind of podcast yeah, the boy would listen to, you. but couldn't even tell you. I any love my self help podcast. Yeah, I'll sit there and I'll be like driving. I'll be like, oh, yes. Uh, did I you agree. go to the live show of Girls? No, oh, you needed. To did you go? go? Oh, it was absolutely phenomenal. I was loving it. You know what? I wasn't too sure how they would set it out, but. It was great. Is it not just like a podcast in real life? Yeah, but, you're just but sitting like there with them? people are giving their dilemmas in the crowd, oh. like chatting shit about their boyfriends or like their best friend is sitting next to them and they're talking like, oh, my best friend's done this, this and that. Like, oh And God. they're in the stage being like, oh, like, giving tea. Oh, it was wow. great. I highly recommend. If they come back, I'll probably go. Yeah. I'll I mean, go. we have been gone twice a week now, haven't they? But like, it's great. Oh. Highly recommend. I know. I would highly. Go. I would go. Right, so we do have our last question. You did mention um, before what your future goals are. Um, you said that was endurance. And what what steps are you kind of taking to achieve them? And like, your are there any other goal, goals that you want to hit that are closer? Um, we don't have normally this time of the year in mm-hmm. kind of April, which it is now. Believe yeah. it or not, oh my um, God, I can't believe it. I know. Um, we would have an announcement, and we'd be racing something right now. Right now, we're we kind of. We started the year, we ended last year with all these prospects and all these big ideas and putting things in place. And I got to drive a few really cool cars at the end of last year in preparation for this year. Mm-hmm. And it didn't end up working out that way. And just kind of due to circumstances, unfortunately, it was out of my control. We've kind of ended up back at square one a few times so far this year. Um, there's not an unlimited amount of money it's sitting around in pots. You have to be able to pick the right times to be able to approach people. And unfortunately, at the beginning of a new year, most of those big pots of money are already allocated to someone. Somebody's already got it. Um, but we are looking to hopefully be in a GT car this year. Really big fingers crossed. Um, but it's all just kind of coming together. And much as motorsport always is, it always happens last minute. Um, right now, I think we're... Less than 20 days away from the start of the season. Oh, God. Um, for this championship, at least, that we're looking mm-hmm. to get ourselves into. Um, and it's into, it's in Europe. 
Um, so there's a lot of things to get put in place, but hopefully by the end of this week, we'll kind of know what we're doing. But there's so much going on right now, whether it be uni, at home, working, oh God, yeah, that it's kind of, I was, it's keeping me busy. Yeah. But um, we're really doing everything we can to get us out on track. But getting into a race, getting into a GT car would be the next big step towards my dream to Le Mans. I can't drive, I can't drive at Le Mans in a single seater. I can only do that in a GT car. Um, so the next step would be GT4s. And then the step after that would be hopefully finding an AM and mm-hmm. taking them up into that GT3 route or other way around, get, joining a like a junior programme for a manufacturer and having their help to be able to take me up as well. Yeah. And what I think, there, there's not a lot of girls in GT racing, especially kind of at my level. There's a few, there's the likes of the Iron Dames team um, with all their girls, but they're all quite well acquainted with their equipment and they've been doing it for a long time um there's not a lot of younger girls that are trying to break through um into gts and there's i don't think there's any young drivers that young females at least that are affiliated to any manufacturers as a full-time um like a full-time factory driver yet and i would like to hopefully be one of them in the next few years and yeah make that step into le mans absolutely i don't see why you can't you i mean you're what i've seen you're very talented and i do I do hope for the best for you and I do think you can get there. <clears throat> Are there any, I did say that was the last question, but I've got one more, <laughs> I've got one more that I do really want to ask, but um, are there any like tracks that you, you would like to, and obviously Le Mans, um, but are there any kind of tracks internationally that you, that you would love to race at? Well, I did get, I've done Le Mans virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, I got invited to do a virtual, like so the, when COVID was happening, obviously there was no race in Le Mans Falls in June, July. So the SRO, or the SRO kind of board, which looks after the Le Mans kind of race weekend, they put on a virtual race mm-hmm. and it's all kind of manufacturers that, that do it all. So I got invited beginning of last year by ProDrive, who are the, the Aston kind of race team manufacturers, to um, join them and do the virtual Le Mans, which was Incredible, yeah, absolutely incredible. It was obviously a twenty-four-hour sim- simulator race, but we had four engineers, and I was down south in Banbury doing it with other factory drivers, which was such a great experience. And at the end of that twenty-four hours, which really was more like a thirty-two-hour stint, um, if I was asked, "Logan, do you want to get on a plane and drive a race car around the actual Le Mans?" I'd be like, "Absolutely, yes. I'm not tired at all. Yeah. Get me in that race car." So that would probably be one of them. Um, just to be able to experience that race weekend. Um, if I'm able to pull this year off, we go to some pretty exciting circuits, like the first round is at Monza, for example. Oh, amazing. So, I mean, I'm only I'm only a stone's throw from Milan as well, so I get to do my yeah. fashion shopping and doing all my sightseeing, and then I get to spend my time at the racetrack. Um, I might visit you at that one. Yeah, I, know. I mean, You can come along, Obviously of for the racing. Of course. Obviously. Well, we can... We can just stay a little bit longer after and yeah. do some Milan. Be girls so, weekend. I know, exactly. Um, <laughs> a week even. <laughs> as long as we as long as we need. Yeah. Um, I think some of the other places we go, we go to like Paul Ricard and Spa, um, and Hockenheim, which is pretty cool. Not many not many things go to Hockenheim anymore. So it's really, oh, really cool to amazing. get to get to Hockenheim if, if it's something that happens. Um I've raced at Yas Marina out in the Middle East on an F mm-hmm. one weekend as well, which was pretty cool. Um, I would love to do the new circuit they've got out there. I did it when it was still the older circuit and it was quite difficult to get past people. Yeah. Um, but there's so many circuits that I could I could see that I want to do, like Bathurst, for example. That would be absolutely insane, being up on the hill in a GT3 car. Um, but I could go on for hours yeah, about, all the different, about all the different circuits that I'd want to race at. Um, I mean, if, 
that your next question could probably be what would be a favourite that you've already done. Yeah. Um, I know you think you already asked that, but um, not kill, I do see it in my sleep, so I'll stay stay proud and say that my home circuit is my favourite. Stick but to the OG. I know, but I think once I go to Monza, maybe that will change. Yeah, <laughs> I d- well, maybe. Monza, not kill. Very similar. Yeah, no, very similar. <laughs> Both short circuits, but very, very different yeah. climates, but very yeah, similar. very different climates. Well, Logan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks um, for I, me. I honestly cannot wait to see what you do this year and all the years after that. I do hope that you hit your goals. I don't doubt you a bit. I'm sure that you will. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. You've no got problems. this. Thanks for You've having got me. It. I know, fingers crossed. Cross. <laughs>